Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Hello, Renee. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing really well. I think we've firmly started fall. Like It feels like it's fall weather now. And this weekend, I'm getting together with some friends. We do an annual, we call it fall extravaganza, just get together. Oh, that's where, cute. Yeah, it's, we do like fall themed things. Like we either go to an orchard or we go upstate New York somewhere for a day or we've done an overnight before. So we're doing that this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to it. How are you? I'm good. I wish I was uh, doing a bunch of fall things, but I'm actually also taking a trip this weekend. Um, we, we parallel a lot with our trips. Um, and I'm going <laughs> to Nashville uh, to celebrate one of my cousin's uh, 21st birthdays. So that's going to be, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really fun. I haven't been to a 21st birthday in so long. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Not I to age myself, but Yeah, I mean like over a decade. Um but wow. she's sort of like the last cousin of that age group to turn twenty one. And so it was just like sort of this perfect trip to go celebrate her. Um and then actually the previous year her mom, which is my aunt or slash cousin technically, um, turned fifty and we went to Vegas. So I think this might end up becoming like a traditional family trip. Um, I'm really pushing. There's like four Vegas in our family. So I'm pushing for next year to be a Vega trip or Vega, a Virgo trip. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Vegas and Vegas. It's like, that's oh, I know. cute. <laughs> it's technically on my mom's side. So oh, it's not the Vegas. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, so yeah, I'm hoping next year it's like, okay, we've, we got the 50th birthday, the 21st. I think it's time for us to celebrate the Virgos. <laughs> no, nothing is too small to celebrate. Celebrate everything. Life is short. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I'm, I'm glad that we're, well, it doesn't surprise me that we're going on trips and traveling. That's pretty on brand for us. Um, but I really need to start adding some fall things to my list. Like I haven't even bought a pumpkin baked a pie, lit a candle. <laughs> I need to get on this. Watch the Gilmore get, Girls. I will get you a match so that you can light a candle. <laughs> I meant light a fall candle. Anyway. I like that your dreams are achievable. <laughs> I want to light a candle. <laughs> yeah, Well, I'm one of those people where I already did it. Like, I already crossed something off the list, but I didn't write it down. I'm going to write it down on the list so I could cross it off. So you can do it again. Uh, yeah, there is something satisfying about crossing something off a list. Um, okay, but let's talk about this like surprise book that we're finally <laughs> announcing. I know you're all like, okay, why are they making such a big deal out of this book? Um, so for some context before we get into it, I just want to say Renee and I felt the need to be super transparent with all of you and share that we bumped Michelle Obama's book that we were supposed to read this month for this book. <laughs> and this book is titled Sing Your Name Out by Out loud. Jason Derulo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the title, sorry. right? <laughs> oh, Sing Your Name Out Loud <laughs> by Jason Derulo. I couldn't even get it out without cracking up a little bit jason um, derulo you have to sing his name <laughs> jason derulo <laughs> how many times i've probably sang that out loud reading this book and it's funny because he like mentions it he's like yeah i'm sorry about that but also not sorry because that's exactly what i want it to happen mm -hmm. so he's just a little strategic king over here um but yeah we bumped michelle obama's book to read this book and I'm going to give the cred to you, Renee, for even sharing with me that this book was coming out. Um, and so just, I guess, before we get into it, though, just in case you don't know who Jason Derulo is, he is a singer, songwriter. He's been writing songs for, I could say, decades. Um, I remember him from, like, 
the 2000s, not early 2000s, but like a little later 2000s. I think he's his first single came out in 2009, which was um, What You Say, when he had his like little sample from Imogen Heap. Um, but he's also known for writing solo, In My Head, Savage Love, Trumpets, um, Swala, so la, a lot. La. And Swala, yeah. A <laughs> lot of lot of songs. So he's definitely well known in the pop scene. Um, but yes, Renee uh gave us this book to read and <laughs> excited so, to dig in. You're welcome and I apologize. No, I'm your your welcome is the appropriate response. Um, I heard him interviewed on another business podcast and I was just really surprised by like the level of insights and I don't know why I was surprised because as you're listing out all of his number one singles he's clearly an extremely successful man but I had just never thought of him in in that arena and hearing that brief interview I thought okay well I have to we should you know maybe dive deep and get to know more about what he has to say and I'm I'm and I'm glad you did it when I was reading it and I was sort of thinking about my own pers- perception um, and perspective of Jason Derulo, like, no, it's not really the first to come to mind when I'm thinking about motivational, inspirational books. But yeah, with the, but then when you read all of his accolades in terms of what he's invested in, his net worth, um, his now success on TikTok, it's like, oh, no, it makes sense. And I sort of put him in the same ringer for me and same arena as Paris Hilton where we see these people in the public in the mainstream and they're just not the first person you think of when it comes to business but when you actually really really think about it they should sort of be some of the people you go to because of how successful they have been in their personal and professional lives to get them to where they are now um and so if Paris Hilton ever launches a book might have to read it because she actually is a pretty smart person I mean and so is Jason Derulo um for some of the some of the nuggets he's dropping in this book yeah I think that's an amazing parallel that you just drew and just for context about the book so like Melissa said it's called sing your name out loud um, and it has 15 rules for living your best life and like living out your dreams. And I'll just run through the rules really quickly just to give you some background on how he's he's organized the book in that it has anecdotes and stories about his life and his success journey and how they all kind of circle around these 15 rules that he's been using in all of his endeavors to kind of guide him towards success. The rules are take risks unlock closed doors you are only as good as your routine success is for rent stop showing off obstacles are opportunities decide what is important to you those who can do respect the hive trust the data collaborate period reveal yourself in your best light talent is overrated work hardest at what comes easiest and choose your competition. So at face value, some of those feel – I'm not like basic – like, well, maybe I am saying basic. They sound a little like, oh, well, duh. But when I look at the list, there's definitely some of those that stand out to us the most. And so obviously in this episode, there's just no way for us to go through all 15. And some of them are – in a good, you know, in in a in a good way, self-explanatory. But we're going to sort of pick and choose some of the ones that stood out to us. Um, but overall, I mean, like it's a pretty short book, like 216 pages. Took only like a few hours to get through and read. Um, yeah, and I'm just excited to to get into it because your girl got some opinions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess before we jump into the chapters, Melissa. What surprised you most, or not maybe most, just what surprised you about this book? I think I'll go back to sort of that perception I had where I didn't really think 
about Jason Derulo in that aspect. I sort of just saw him as a pop artist. And, you know, that's my bad. That's my bad for thinking that someone is just sort of like one note and Mm -hmm. no pun intended. Um, (laughs) And that there is a lot of things that happen behind the scenes for people to to, to rise to their fame and not to discount people off or write people off and um yeah i'm that surprised me of you know at first i was when we were talking about this book i was giggling and i'm still kind of giggling but it really he really did share a lot of good nuggets in here that align to a lot of the things that we talk about in this podcast and it just made me take a step back of like okay girl like you know, when we think of the Jason Derulos and the Kim Kardashians and just their whole family and Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie and all these just these other public figures that maybe the media has given us one one way of looking at them, just like a good reminder of how multi-layered and multi-dimensional people are. And we all have like stories to share and we all can learn something from each other including pop artists (laughs) how about you though what surprised you about this book yeah I mean similar to you uh I think just seeing someone in a new arena is always nice I I found it really refreshing how comfortable he was about claiming his dream I think Mm. And then that's not to say that he's like braggadocious, but I felt like his confidence really leapt out of the pages. Like I could tell that this was someone who worked really hard and has put in a lot of work and is not shy about saying that he wants big things and is willing to do more than the average person to get them. I think I just I feel like I don't hear that a lot anymore. I think so much of what we hear and I not to say that this is bad. I think this is actually really helpful, but a lot of the narrative now is don't push yourself too hard, you know, like take your time. There's no rush, like move at a slow pace. And and I think that's great. I think it's good to, you know, be gentle with yourself and not, not put yourself in a situation that's going to be destructive for you. But I liked that he had a very different approach and said, I'm willing to go to extremes. Like I'm obsessed with this dream and I am like he says multiple times in the book, he's like, I'm just going to be straight with you. If you want to be average, like then do those average things <laughs> like no shade. But mm-hmm. if you want to do if you want to be the best, if you want to be the best selling, the greatest, you have to kick it up several notches. And and I just thought that was that was nice to hear. I feel like we just people aren't really saying that so much these days. I think that's kind of frowned upon. Um And I think also the mental toughness that like reading between the lines, I was like, oh, this is a guy who's really like mentally strong. Like he talks about like his discipline and like his training and, you know, reading through like the nasty comments he would get on TikTok and other critics about his music and just, you know, using it as feedback or more data. Like I was just like, wow, this guy has like a lot of mental toughness was what I just kept thinking mm-hmm. um and so it was I don't know I was I was just really impressed by him while reading it that's a great way of putting it too I think he does definitely does not lack in the confidence department he has a good um he has a good definition though of like what confidence is versus what ego is um and now that I say that, I'm like trying to figure out where that was in the book, but I'll find it and and share it. But the confidence level is high. And at first, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I that can rub me the wrong way. And I'm surprised at how much it did not rub me the wrong way in reading his story and and reading his mindset because you you bring up a good point about that mental toughness. And it really did start when he was a kid. I mean, the fact that he he shared, he got into like a performance, a performing arts um, school, and that school was 90 minutes away from his house. And so since elementary school, 
he would wake up at 4 a.m. to go commute to the school because of how passionate he was about singing and becoming a becoming a global star. Like, and he, he's mm-hmm. known that since day one. And and I don't know why. Maybe before that rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe it was because like before I read this book. And maybe it's because, like, I just know that I'm not someone who has who has known from a young age what that passion is and, like, what I'm passionate about. And he does. And so it just makes me, like, sort of rethink some of the things that we've been consuming and we're being taught around – what's the right way to work? What's the right way to balance your life? Because truly when I read this book, it doesn't sound to me like he has balance. Like he has said, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like he has said multiple times, like, well, for better or for worse, I'm always going to choose my work and my art as number one. And he knows though, at least he's cognitive of how that may affect other parts of his life like relationships or or things like that and he is very open about talking about how that's affected his his relationships negatively but at the same time and in that same vein the fact that he is so driven and passionate like I mean he got there for a reason and he just doesn't ever take it for granted and I Mm. that's a piece I really really like about his confidence and what drives him is that he says in the book too, like I always worry about paying for rent the next month mm-hmm. because that is what drives me to make sure that I'm not stagnant, that I don't go back to being on default and that there's just like so much more for me that I want to accomplish. And you know what? Dr- being driven like that and having that much passion it does get results. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so clearly with all of his number one hits. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we can jump into some of the chapters, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, obviously there are trade-offs to, and again, I think it's just like, he's so candid about that in the book, which I, I liked that he wasn't pretending that you can be the best in your field and have everything right in every other area of your life at the same time. It's like, you have to choose. And most people might choose to just be good enough. And that's fine if you make that choice to like have balance Mm. in other areas, but just recognize that that is the choice that you are making a trade-off. And for for most people, or for at least for many people, it's a trade-off they want to make, but like, just don't, don't think that you're going to be Michael Phelps by only doing like 30 minutes of swim training a day so that you can still have all this free time to do other things. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to choose, do I want to be the best swimmer or do I want to be an okay swimmer and still like hang out with my friends every day after work, like I used to, or, you know, whatever. And like, honestly, hot take. It's so different from (laughs) you were mentioning before all these, you know, things that they sort of say to do now with working. And it's very, very 180 from some of the Gen Z millennial type of (laughs) type of (laughs) advice that we get about work and I'll be honest like at first like I don't know if I'm I'm like Jason Derulo and I think that's totally okay because I'm okay with that like absolutely I, I don't necessarily need to be number one in um my field or I'm not like seeking a certain accolade or title or uh, yeah, I don't need to become a billionaire, you know, which is something that he wants to do. But I can't fault people who do, you know what I mean? Like the Kim Kardashians of the world and Jason Derulo and actually Paris Hilton has quoted in her like a doc, her documentary that one of her goals is to become a billionaire, you know? And so there's like this like percent of people um, that want that. And so it is refreshing for him to be like, well, it is attainable. You just got to do the work. And you're not going to become a billionaire by uh, only sometimes wanting to do something. (laughs) Yeah. 
And why don't we talk about like the first rule, take risks, because I think that's something that most successful people will tell you. And again, successful in whatever way. It can be successful in your work life. It can be successful in finding a partner. You tried a new dating app, whatever. Like success usually involves a measure of risk. Um, And I liked in the book, he obviously talked about different risks, whether it was like songs that people didn't think were going to be successful or trying new things. And one of the things he said that I liked was that you can be a trendsetter or play it safe by following trends. And Mm. to be the trendsetter, you know, you are putting yourself out there to either be celebrated or ridiculed or just kind of dismissed as being out of touch or ahead too ahead of your time. And I liked his, how refreshing, I keep using that word, but I liked that he was very open about his appetite for taking risk and being experimental and that he just had no ego about, I don't care if I look stupid with some of these TikToks, like I'm just trying to figure it out and this is part of the process. I don't care if you don't, if not everyone gets this wiggle song, I think it's a hit and we're going to try it. (laughs) I forgot about the wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. Yeah. He's a smart dude. These songs, as soon as I hear them, they're like stuck in my head. There's like a, a strategy, art, and science to it. Um, yes. In this chapter, I think something that stood out to me too about the risk is that it's not – when he defines risk, he's not just saying, you know, throw it all to the wind and we'll see what happens. Like his his risks, he just wants to make sure when you're thinking through them – that they're in a way calculated and or that you've done some research on your own to sort of figure out, am I okay with this? Like if this actually, if I'm, I take this risk and if it doesn't actually work out, I'm okay with some of those repercussions. And I think that's like a smart way of looking at it. So it's not just take a risk, screw it all. What happens happens. It's like, well, I've actually thought about, the risk the risk that I'm taking and if I'm okay with those consequences if the risk becomes negative and the reason behind that is you sort of have to not sort of you have to be passionate and obsessed about that end goal and what you are wanting to do and sort of listening to yourself of like oh actually no I'm like not okay with that then maybe you're not okay with what you're going after. Like use that as an opportunity to ask yourself these questions. Um, That stood out to me in this chapter as well. I think especially for us, like growing up in the internet age, social media, nothing ever really is fully erased once it like hits the web, you know, like things don't die in the same way. I think it is super important to be very mindful about like you said if I'm taking this risk like am I okay with my name being attached to this and then if it goes Mm -hmm. south because because I I've been in those situations like professionally for sure and probably personally too where you kind of do something because like that's what you're told to do or that's what we're all doing and then when it backfires it's like well how do you sleep at night or were you comfortable like why did you sign on to do this thing And it does feel a lot better when I can say, you know, at the time I was really gung ho for it. And it's a bummer that it, you know, was misperceived or it came out this way. Like that's a very different feeling than when you say, you know what, I wasn't really so sure about this anyway. And now I'm like caught up in the downfall for something that I wasn't really that excited about to be, you know, it's better if you're like, well, Mm -hmm. I actually was into it and now I've learned from it versus the opposite where you're like I didn't even really want to be in this anyway (laughs) like now my name's getting dragged into this yeah and you have to truly like be obsessed and be in love with what you're trying to do um I also like something he said in here and I guess this is a good quote for sort of some of the tonality that he has and um his mental sternness and toughness but basically says the lesson here is to take risks in fact, this is me begging you to take risks. Stop being boring. Stop being derivative. Stop being scared, please. <laughs> and I liked it because I'm like, you know what, Jason? 
there are moments <laughs> where I stop myself because of fear, of course. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And yeah, you're right. Like, I need to stop being boring if, you know. <laughs> like, I have had I that know... feeling too where I'm like, gosh, I am. <laughs> that was so boring. That was such a safe like, choice. Yeah, like, oh, uh, that was kind of basic. That was that was boring. Um, and to just really ask yourself the question of like, what excites you? Stop leading a boring life because you are not a boring person. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I liked that one a lot. I love that. I think I think so much of it too, like you you you're talking about mental toughness. He he mentions a lot too about like your mindset and how you view yourself and he kind of mentions this in in the next chapter unlock closed doors. But this was one of the big like double star underlines that I had in the book and he says you'll never be greater than the person you think you can be. And Mm -hmm. it's, it really struck me because, you know, there's so many times where we think, or at least I'll speak for myself, like, I think I'm, I'm giving it my all, or I, I really, I think I'm, I have this confidence and I'm believing in this thing that I say I'm going to do or that I'm going to become. But then when I look at my actions and there's, there's not the same follow through and I'm like, well, maybe I don't really believe I'm capable of this. Otherwise, I would be better at following through with the actions that I need to do to get there. And so much of like trying to actualize your dream, whether it's really big or really small, is is not just saying like, oh, I am going to gain 10 pounds of muscle in the gym. But it's like, I truly believe that I can bulk up you know and it's it's that difference between like saying things to myself versus truly believing like oh no i will be a number one pop global pop star i'm not just saying it willy-nilly like i truly believe that and that's the conviction that maybe pushes that motivates me through the hard work and the steps that will take to actually get there and all of those mental like convictions and stuff that he goes into I just thought wow like you really do have to like think differently to to hit some of those highs I think yeah um this reminded me of something he shared earlier in the book too and I think this is just part of the reason why he has that mental toughness and he's got like a very strong narrative in his brain which is um, I'm idolizing for it because I, that's something I need to work on as well. And he he really does believe in the power of manifestation. And he talks about like the external world. This is a quote from him. The external world believes what you tell it and your body believes it too. And he is all about speaking words into reality. So why would I tell myself – like if I'm telling myself, oh, I'm like – 38 now my knees hurt um even though they might actually do (laughs) but it's just like the kind of like the power and believing that you are able to create that reality for yourself and that you can speak something into existence um so that made me think about that of just like you are in control of your thoughts Mm -hmm. and if the more we tell ourselves positive things or manifest things or believe in something that's the narrative that it's it's just going to replay over and over again in our heads not necessarily all the negative things that's so true I've actually been thinking about that a lot the past couple months especially when it comes to like even this is going to sound so small and simple but even some of the memes that I share with my friends on social media, like I was looking at like some of the content and I mean, it's, it's fine to be like, I'm sarcastic. I like a little bit of dark humor, like, like nothing's wrong with that. No one's saying you have to change your personality. But I noticed, for example, that there were some friends who a lot of the like funny memes we would share with each other would always be these like, huh, like they're the girls on vacation who like, go for a run in the morning and then they're the ones who just like 
sit down and eat a hot dog or like, you know, or just there's, you know, mm. I'm this, I'm that coworker who just like doesn't even want to be here or, you know, like that kind of humor. And I like, I took a look at it in myself and I was like, I don't like, yes, it's bringing me joy, but I, I wonder if just sharing all of these things is really beneficial for how excited you feel at work or how, like how motivated you are to like, maintain like a healthy lifestyle while you're on vacation like even though it just feels like it's funny and no one's saying that you can't like enjoy different kinds of humor I still love that stuff and I still share it occasionally but I do find myself being a little more mindful of not like only engaging with content like that because Mm. like he says like even though it's just a joke if that's like your main like thought like if that's just like a, a thought narrative like you said that's just being passed back and forth like I might be telling my body and my cells subconsciously like, oh, yeah, like you're not going to be engaged at the office or you're not going to be someone mm-hmm. who like can enjoy vacation without like throwing everything out the window. You know? <laughs> or I mean, those are like I said, they're simple, but I do think there's some truth in what he's saying about like be mindful of like these narratives that you're perpetuating without realizing. I can't believe I'm going to say this right now. <laughs> I'm laughing before it even comes out of my mouth. Okay. I am going to share a quote from Milton from Love is Blind. (laughs) Um, He did not make it up, okay, but he did say it in recent episodes. And it's something that I've always been told as well. It just so happened it came out of his mouth recently and that your perception is your reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like, love exactly the way he used it in those episodes, but I think the quote still stands true in that it really is about your perception of things. And so if we're being fed and we're around people who are just constantly, like, dragging things down and, like, like slow energy, it it is really easy to slip into that and – cement that in your brain Mm -hmm. and so no wonder when you're waking up in the middle of the night in a panic and and those are the thoughts that you have in your head it's because those are the thoughts that we've been those are the words and thoughts that we've been consuming all week and so of course it's in our heads of course our brain has filed them away and is bringing it back to us because that's what we're feeding it um it's a good point there yeah and like i said like I'm not saying that we should all have this Pollyanna sense of humor. Like <laughs> that's that's definitely not the kind of thing that makes me laugh usually. But th- just that mindfulness of, huh? Like I know this is sh- like kind of cloaked as a joke or just like a funny meme. But should this really be the only <laughs> kind of content about the workplace that we're talking about? Like mm-hmm. I I don't know. Um, so that's just been something. I like that cloak as yet. a joke. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah, a little rhyme. Um, okay, so moving from taking risks, there was something in the rule of unlocking closed doors that I think just like really stood out for me in this book. And a lot of that chapter was around like his history of how he became a singer and songwriter, where he started as a songwriter first. That's how he got his foot in the door and all this stuff. Um, but I think the sentiment that I, I wanted to share with you, Renee, and the, the readers that really stood out for me was just understanding what doors that you want open and what doors you want to spend time unlocking. His sort of anecdote was around him getting a role as Benny in Rent on Broadway And how at the end of the day, he chose to go against that path because he was like, that's, I know it's sort of like related to what I want to do, but that's not actually what I want to do. And his thought was like, maybe, I don't know where I would be if I decided to actually go on Broadway. Is this like a distraction from like my actual goal or is this actually going to put me in a position to get me closer to where I want to go? And I struggle with that and it's like that's really cool that he just knew that I think he was like 18 17 when he made that decision I definitely was not that clear-headed back then with what I want to do but I definitely am guilty of making decisions based on well this this opportunity presented itself and it's just here 
versus does this opportunity actually get me closer to my why and to my end goal? And I've made decisions on the former of, well, I mean, it's a job, right? (laughs) So I'm just going to take it versus, you know, maybe actually getting a job because it's more closely related to the type of work I want to be doing, not because of it's sort of um, around or close to what I want to be doing. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good I remember that anecdote of him like he said turning down a Broadway role at such a young age which most of his classmates would have killed to get that opportunity. But mm-hmm. I think it is a hard thing to navigate and and it's something that I don't have the answer for. It's something I wrestle with is how do I know if this adjacent opportunity is Just, you know, like he said, it's getting my foot in the door. I'll start as the songwriter and then eventually I like work my way up to being the like recording artist, like the star like himself. Or is it a compromise or a distraction that's actually not moving me in that direction? But it's, you know, like and I, I think that's it's hard to tell in the moment. And sometimes even when you look back at your choices, it's not always clear, like, was that the right decision? Like, could I have also, you know, there are Broadway stars who then transition to being recording artists and it is hard to know. I guess, I guess maybe it comes down to like trusting your gut and, Mm -hmm. and in his, and he says this a lot in the book too, it's having like that ultimate clarity about what he wanted to do. And for him, he's very much in favor of pick the one thing that you're going to give 100% of your energy to do not spread your energy out and say, I'm going to spend 50% of my time trying to be a great singer. And then 50% of my time trying to be a great basketball player. It's like, no, 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 pick one. And I mean, that's a discussion too, because some people find that it's better Mm -hmm. to be a Jack of all trades and kind of be more of a dabbler But he, you know, he has a very strong opinion that no, if you know that I want to, if I know I want to be a recording artist, then it's easier to make the decision that this decision, that this option isn't pushing me in that direction. Whereas I'm Mm -hmm. someone who is multi-passionate. I have tons of things I'm interested in. So all sorts of opportunities could come up and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Like that sounds interesting. Like it aligns to one of the six or seven things that I really like. And so because I don't have that clarity, I feel like, you know, like I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get there if I don't know where there is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, like that's on me we... to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> we both can relate to that. <laughs> LOL. Partially why we have this podcast. <laughs> Trying to find our way here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, to lean on the more like Marie Forleo side of being a multi-passionate, uh, multi-hyphenate type of gal myself. Um, and I, you know, at the end of the day, I suppose, even though I don't necessarily align with him and his thinking in terms of like, oh, like I'm like that too, you know, bottom line is I can respect that for him and like how he was able to do that. It, to me too, though, like, just throughout the whole book and I don't know if for him it's hindsight 2020 and or these were like his true feelings that these were like these his true thoughts of decision making back in the day even when he was a teenager and even when he was a an adolescent um the he shared like the reason why he didn't want to do that is because he didn't know anybody who did start on Broadway, who was known for being a pop artist or, you know, global superstar first. You know what I mean? Like they always sort of reverted back to starting Broadway. And so it seems to me like his way of decision making is very – in like a good way, like calculated and strategic. I mean that's how he even decided to go into pop as a genre when he started becoming a recording artist and part of his reason too was he wanted to go against the grain and not just start 
as an R&B artist because that's what black artists do. He wanted to first start off pop. And then his also rationale for that was kind of dipping into like trusting the the data portion of the book, but is because pop is actually more globally recognized versus hip hop and R&B, which is mostly more popular and mostly popular in the U.S., which is how many people like was it 400, 400 million? Lord. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. versus, let's just say that. Versus uh, globally, which is like 8 billion people. And so he chose pop because he would find more success in that. And success to him means – I mean, success means different things to all of us. But for mm-hmm. him, it truly was around numbers. It was around – streams sales all that which i can respect i disagree slightly in some of his like definitions of success but um i'm also just not as like hardcore yeah (laughs) hardcore as him yeah i I, yeah i mean we he and i do not agree on everything but i again i like that he was upfront about like for me success is number of sales number of streams number of downloads those numbers and he is really honest about telling people you have to be honest about what's going to motivate you and he mentions at some point I don't have the quote in front of me but he says something like don't pretend to be motivated by some deep spiritual calling if that's not what's actually motivating you and I think Mm, I like that because there is this I mean I work in PR so I get it like sometimes people want to like finesse their story in a way that feels more palatable like it's nicer to say I am creating this product because I want to help little girls see themselves as astronauts like that's a nicer story than I'm creating this product because I know that I can make two billion dollars in the next five years you know and (laughs) it's like I think there are people who genuinely are motivated to like do representation and make a difference. I think that I I totally believe that that sort of altruism is a true motivator for some people. But I also think a lot more people are motivated by the numbers that they're just not comfortable admitting that because that they just don't like the way that story kind of comes off. And Mm -hmm. I like that he says, listen, when it gets hard, Like, you have to know what's actually motivating you. Like, if you're like, I don't want to do another rep in the gym, but you know that, like, I am motivated by having a six-pack, that's fine. You don't have to pretend that, like, you're motivated because, like, of, you know, some different reason. If, like, getting a six-pack is going to help you put those reps in, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think that the lack of pretension in some of that stuff – Again, I just think, just like be you. Like people don't have to agree with you, and, and they don't have to have the same motivations. Mm-hmm. But like, I I know many times. Again, I I've like worked in this industry. I hear people saying all sorts of stuff. I'm like, you don't mean that. <laughs> you don't mean that. Like that's not true. <laughs> like, you are spinning a story. <laughs> Give me so. the tea, Renee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, just kidding. Not online. Confidentiality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, I'm just, I respect the honesty. He's like, you can hate it if you want, but like that, I was motivated by numbers. <laughs> That's, yeah. I know we've said this word like 12 times. I'm going to use it again. It really, truly was refreshing. <laughs> the type of, yeah. no. <laughs> Expand your vocabulary, Melissa. Um, how how honest he was and I just I listened to an episode um I didn't get through all of it yet but he and and for promoting his book and everything like that he was on the armchair expert podcast with Jack Shepard pretty recently and um if you don't want to read the book uh, I would recommend actually listening to the podcast because as he was sort of running through this interview and conversation, I was like, wow, I think he's actually going chapter by chapter without literally going chapter by chapter. So a lot of the sentiments, a lot of the anecdotes he shares in the book, he shares in the podcast. And I don't know, like it, that with 
now reading this book, just I now understand him so much better. And again, even if I don't necessarily align with like every single point of view that he has, I honestly am just so glad he has a point of view and that he stands by it. And that to me is better than these like wishy-washy like well I don't know like I guess if you want to do that if you think that and he's just like no this I'm stern in my in my thought process take it or leave it um I know that I choose work I know that I'm choosing my art and this is the result of it this is what I'm driven by um and (laughs) r-e-s-p-e-c-t Yeah, I I know we have to wrap this up soon. So I guess, um, like the last thing I will add from my end, um, from the talent is overrated chapter, I really, I think that's probably the rule that I liked the most. Because he really breaks down that yes, in life, people do have advantages, whether it's physical advantages, intellectual, um, certain privileges from connections, money, whatever, he acknowledges that those things happen. But he also acknowledges that hard work can overcome a lot of that. And I think a lot more than we realize. He says there's no such thing as a big enough edge to separate you from someone who is willing to do whatever it takes to catch up. And I really loved that sentiment of we can level the playing field to a certain extent by our work ethic and by how much we're willing Mm -hmm. to try and I I like that because it can feel really daunting to look at something and say oh I want to be a model but maybe I don't have like this bone structure or I want to play this sport but like my dexterity isn't naturally as you know whatever or I'm not as naturally flexible But you can, through dedicated effort, and yeah, for some people, it might take more effort than others. He acknowledges that. But I really love that rule because I think think that's a big thing that does hold people back from starting or from pushing through when they hit a road bump. I think sometimes people say, well, I guess this is as far as I can go because I'm starting here and Melissa's starting, you know, way ahead of me because of these advantages she has. So let me just be excited for what I got. (laughs) You know, this is further than I thought. And I I appreciate that he like that to me was the one, not the one, but that was one of the sections that felt the most motivational in that you don't have to let talent or like natural aptitude be a barrier to success unless you make it one. And I just I just wanted to share that with everyone because I think it's it's a good reminder that hard work really can can push you further than than you realize. And then I realize it. it's it's a lesson that I wanted like a good reminder for myself. Oh, I'm glad you shared that one too. Um because he even shares like, hey, I wasn't the best singer. Like I I wasn't yeah. just born with this voice. And the sentiment that I love that he shares from that is with hours comes growth. And so he was so focused and fixated on practicing. I mean, he shares about how he dabbled in basketball and that he pretty much had to choose between basketball and singing because he's like, I need to give 100% to this. And so he chose singing in that career. We could have had a LeBron James, Jason Derulo, <laughs> if he chose basketball instead, someone was like, some, his mentor was like, or his coach said he could have gone pro. Could you imagine in this alternate yeah. reality, Jason Derulo is like actually a basketball player? But he does. find out. Oh, sorry. I finished what you're oh, saying. Sorry. I was going to say, I've been watching The Mass Singer. Um, so <laughs> we find out he can sing from an episode of The Mass Singer. <laughs> That sounds like anyway. A, I like that. But I, I like also that he mentions like 
I think he uses Michael Jordan as an example of someone who, like he says, LeBron James has a lot of natural aptitude and kind of always has, I guess, as someone, if you know basketball, you know that. But Michael Jordan didn't even make like his high school basketball team and his, yeah, the varsity team or something. Yeah. He's arguably one of the best players of all time. Definitely in conversation for the top three. Um, and he, he's the best to me, in my opinion, just to put that out there. But I, anyway, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I, I grew up watching the Bulls, so I'm a Jordan fan as well. But um, <laughs> but he's a good example of someone who like it took hard work to get him to that place. And I don't know. I forget that sometimes. Like, I, And I think, again, it's just like I think a lot of times you get to a certain point and you're like, OK, well, I guess that's as far as I can go because I'm not naturally insert mm-hmm. trait here that it, it's good to have reminders of like and Jason Derulo's like I didn't make it past the first audition for American Idol <laughs> like I yeah. have all of these like big failures um that I was able to overcome through just discipline and his discipline really is at another level <laughs> um, when he talks about some of his regimens like three workouts a day and stuff but you know it's good to and know that if you these- want to put in the work you can get there yeah, and all of these other artists who at young ages, like at 13, Lauren Hill got booed off stage at the um, Night at the Apollo. And so just that reminder that we are in more con- – we have more control than we think we do, which is something you always tell me, Renee, uh, off the pod, which I appreciate, and that you whatever it is that you want to do – if it's art, if it's achieving a certain accolade or starting a business, whatever path it is, you have to really put the hours in and you have to, if you want to be a creator, you have to create content. If you want to be a podcaster, you got to do the work to record (laughs) every week. And it was just an extremely necessary reminder to all of us that even though we have these lofty goals or whatever goals that you have, I don't know if you want to define them as lofty, in order for us to achieve those, you got to do the work. Um, and they can reap more rewards than we can even imagine, but we just have to to grind a bit. Like we can't – I know people people are like anti-word grinder and like anti-word like hustle like – hustle. And I'm like sort of more like 75%, you know, on that spectrum of, yeah, I know like hustle culture is maybe, quote, getting canceled now, but I don't necessarily believe that. I do believe in hard work, like God to honest, boots on the ground, hard work. And that's the only way that we're really going to achieve anything. (laughs) That we want to achieve. Um, So that's also a reminder to me of like, Melissa, wrap it up. Start doing the work. Figure out what you want to do. And put the hours in. Like practice. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, I know. I wish we had more time because like we didn't even talk about all of his like TikTok, like his second wave of his career in social media. Yeah. um, Which I think that had a lot of good stuff about experimentation and like willing to be a beginner again, but I don't know, Melissa, was there anything else, any last thoughts from you that you wanted to share? I know we can't capture everything. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up the, the social part of it. I think the, I'll try to keep it short and sweet on that. I just appreciated his, his uh, willingness to evolve and grow and try something new and figure out another way to continue to do what he loves, but just in like a different direction. So he still is creating these hits. He's still bringing music to the masses. And it's it was like really hilarious to me how he kept calling him like himself like a mainstream. I don't I like don't an think average he's, Joe. <laughs> yeah, he kept saying like I'm an average Joe. Like honestly, like my family and I go to TG, TGIFs. Like we're so mainstream. <laughs> me up he basically was like calling himself like basic but um anyway i 
to keep it short and sweet, just around his willingness to try new tools, jump on a new um, social platform and like really make it make it his own and deciding like, hey, I actually don't need to have this like weird mystery mask and I need to like show people like who I am and TikTok was his place to do that. Um, but what about you? Any last rema- remaining Jason Derulo rules or thoughts? Um, no, I I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will say I think this is of our book club so far. I don't want to pick favorites, but I I think this one really surprised me in a good way in that I Mm. feel like I got I got I got something very different out of it I think a lot of the books we've read so far are coming from experts who are relying on research and anecdotes of like they are coaches themselves they are motivating others they are working with high performers and I, I think hearing the advice from the perform the high performer not someone who works with them or has interviewed them hit a little different for me so I I really I and also like there's just no BS like the reading it's super mm-hmm. conversational it's not written with like and then the XYZ theorem of you know <laughs> s- sports psychology says he's like nah that's bullshit like he'll, like he'll just I didn't have to google any words which yeah. is new this might be the first book I didn't have to define a word <laughs> yeah no it, it's just it's very approachable and I yeah I keep I keep circling around saying it's my favorite but um, I I really I really got a lot out of it <laughs> yeah I I don't I wouldn't say it's it was my favorite but I'm gonna steal what you said earlier and say it was the most surprising and it maybe was even the most like heartwarming to me Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think there's maybe a book or two that I would still consider more like life changing for me. And so that's the reason why it's my favorite, but this was definitely just like grounding in a weird way. Yeah. And it felt like way more personal, maybe because we just have known Jason Derulo for like 13, 15 years, maybe even longer than that. And so we've, like, always known him, but we haven't known him until this book. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's definitely a ranking for me. I think – yeah, I think think it's worth a buy. I I wouldn't say only listen – I mean, listen to our podcast and listen to other podcasts, but I I do think it's an easy read. And so if you can get access to it, um, Mm -hmm. I think think there's some gems in, in there personally. Well, thank you, Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. <laughs> I think that was literally at the same time. I sang that at least eight times while reading the book in my head. <laughs> and out loud. <laughs> Jason, you've done it to us. Your power worked. Yeah. <sighs> um, okay, well, we're definitely giving this book gold stars. Um, but what is your other gold star this week? Um, I'm giving my gold star to Invisalign. So I had braces as a kid, was not diligent in wearing my retainer at the time. So my teeth um, have shifted slightly, not in a way that like significantly bothered me, but it was something that was like in the back of my head. So I got Invisalign six months ago. I'm actually, knock on wood, getting them off this week. Um Ooh. The day this podcast comes out, actually. But I, from day one, I've just been such an evangelist of Invisalign. I think it is so pain-free. It is so easy. It actually, I like kind of wondered if it would actually move my teeth. I'm like, this seems way too simple. Like, why was I <laughs> like wearing metal in my mouth with the rubber bands and stuff? But it, I, Invisalign is just so amazing. So I think if you have... If anyone is like interested in like orthodontic work and Invisalign is available to you as an option, explore it. I I love it. So that's that's my gold star. I think it's great. 
Um, well, this is me being like, yo, Invisalign, um, if you want to sponsor a podcast, um, choose me, love me, pick <laughs> pick me. Um, I have debated getting Invisalign. And so I definitely feel like I'm the same as you. You knew this, Renee. I had braces in high school. <laughs> uh, did not do a great job wearing a retainer. And so my teeth have shifted. And yeah, Invisalign, <laughs> sponsor us. Um, sponsor us. Yeah, I have nothing but good things to say. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah, the six months flew by also. And that's a, yeah. such a short period of time. Like That's why I did it. Because they were like, I mean, they're like, it's not, you're gonna, not going to lead it for long. But if it's something that you're thinking about, if you wait a couple of years to like, it becomes something that bothers you, you're going to pay more money and you're going to mm-hmm. need to wear them for longer. So they were like, it's up to you. You can do it now and it'd be quick. Or you like wait a couple of years and then it like be more expensive and like, so I was like, let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much power yeah. in a smile. So I understand that investment. Um, mm-hmm. My gold star this week goes out to all the investigative journalism that is happening on TikTok around Love is Blind. It is <laughs> yes. amazing how obsessed and just like tr- true journalism <laughs> – as a journalism major myself, um, <laughs> hey, I forgot you were a journalism major. Well, technically, it was communications, but it was in the journalism school. So I feel like oh. I can say that, even though it's not true. Um, I did go to a journalism camp, though, like a leadership camp, fun fact, at American University. Oh. But I just feel like there are so many people on TikTok right now, especially with the chaoticness of this season five where people have done so much due diligence with their research on finding out couples who are engaged but then didn't get recorded, why they weren't being recorded. It's just like a hot mess express. So I don't even think you need to watch Love is Blind if you're not into that. Just watch the Love is Blind TikToks because that's all you need to know. Like I don't even care about the rest of the season. Like I just (laughs) – Yeah, this season is crazy. I'm a couple episodes behind, but yeah, the season's chaos. And the TikToks, they really are, they're pulling up marriage licenses. They do work. They are, they are digging. Give them a Pulitzer. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) (laughs) What um, What are you manifesting besides Invisalign sponsoring us? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the main manifestation um <laughs> honestly i'm just manifesting peace uh obviously there's been some really devastating news over the weekend about what's happening um between israel and palestine and that whole situation and i mean we're not going to get into geopolitics and things like that on this podcast but i think anytime innocent lives are lost or you know just swept up in like the devastation of war and conflict it, it's really heartbreaking so I just am manifesting peace for all of these innocent people who are just kind of getting caught up in this awful situation for real what about you it's hard being on the news outlets right now and oof um yeah. so my manifestation Uh, it's on Pinterest. I don't know the resource, you know, what's new, but it's a fresh start. Isn't a new place. It's a mindset. And yeah, I think it just sort of come full circle with a lot of the books that we've been reading so far around mindset and, and, you know, Jason Derulo really hones in on that as well. And that it's not moving to a new place or like being in in a new spot. It really is starts with, the things that we're telling ourselves, the things that we believe. Um, and it's all about the mindset. I really like that. Yeah. Whoever said it, really like it. <laughs> Wish I could give you credit. <laughs> Sorry. DM for credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, man, I'm going to – well, for the rest of the night, I think I'm just going to listen to Jason Derulo. <laughs> 
That's not a bad decision. Oh, you know what? Actually, to round out the episode, I feel like I just need to ask you, what's your favorite Jason Derulo song? Oh, wow. I should have given you a heads up. Sorry. No, that's okay. (laughs) Probably want you to want me. Is that what Mm, it's called? I think so. Yeah. I'm too hard to sleep. Yeah, I think probably that one. What's yours? Mine is Trumpets. (laughs) That's a good one. love that song. And the lyrics kind of make me giggle. Like, (laughs) your bra reminds me of a Katy Perry song. Um, So the lyricism is interesting in some parts. But I have such good memories of... (laughs) I did not know that was a lyric. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, your bra reminds me of a Katy Perry song. Every time that you get undressed. Anyway, uh, a little inappropriate for children listening. But I have really good memories of that song. I just think, like, he actually has real trumpets in there. And, like, the Mm -hmm. beat's really good. The lyrics just make me giggle. And um, I have good memories with that song. So that's my fave. That's a good one. I like – that's a good ending question. (laughs) High five. Gold star to you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm going to put on my, like, chore chart. (laughs) Gold star. Uh, Well, thanks for the conversation, Renee. Thank you, Jason Derulo, for dropping hits and dropping insights. And thank you all for being here. And uh, if you ever need a copy of the book, you know where to find me. (laughs) (laughs) and me yeah again it's like scratched up with highlighter and pen but (laughs) happy to send a loan out um but thanks everyone enjoy the rest of your day uh or night and we'll see you next week we'll see ya happy fall happy fall